This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad. There are a ton of great topics here on this Thursday Drive. And of course, the big story in the triad today is with UNCG. I'll be honest. When Bubba Cunningham, who's a guest on today's show, decided to hire Hubert instead of Wes last week, I thought UNCG had gotten away with something. I felt that Wes would be back for another year. But then again, still a lot of openings in college basketball. Arizona hired Gonzaga's top assistant last night. Then, in less than a week, Cincinnati fired John Brandon, quickly identified Wes as their guy, and gave him an offer he couldn't turn down. That news, it was a gut punch last night. But as far as I would have wanted Wes to stay longer, selfishly, I wanted Wes to stick around for the next five years if he would stay. It was pretty clear. Now was Wes's time to move on. He had nothing else to prove at UNCG. At 28 years old, he took over for a coach whose career record was over 50 games under 500, and after 10 years with UNCG, Wes finished over 500 by over 50 games. Before Wes arrived, UNCG had four winning seasons in their history. That's 30 years of UNCG basketball dating back to the Dixie Conference in 1979-80, and UNCG had 40 20-win seasons in those 30 years. Four 20-win seasons. He will leave UNCG with five straight 20-win seasons and three SOCON titles, battling it out with Steve Forbes at East Tennessee State, Mike Young at Furman. Absolute wars. He turned UNCG into a respected basketball school. His best player just left, Isaiah Miller, two-time SOCON Player of the Year, two-time SOCON Defensive Player of the Year. Wes said he wanted to accept him returning. It was time for him to go pro. That's exactly what Zay did, announcing that officially last week. But the roster is still good enough with transfers coming in, like John Newman from Clemson and Hayden Koval deciding to come back, that whoever takes over, whether it's an assistant getting promoted or somebody else coming in to run the program, it's a good, attractive job that can continue to win beyond Wes being there. It was time for Wes to go. His talent and ambition outgrew the job. I think we can all relate to that. It might be you're right out of college, you're working hard in sales, for example. You're working hard, you're in a small town, and you're wanting to get out of it, and you do well enough, you realize, I can make more money somewhere else if I go to a bigger place, right? We, I think we can relate to being ambitious and having your ambition outgrow where you're currently at. Last year, there was one power basketball job to come open. Due to COVID, one power basketball job came open. It was Wake Forest, and Wes was a finalist for it. Forbes ended up getting the job. Shortly after that, 
ESPN put out a list of the top 40 coaches under the age of 40 years old. Wes was number one on that list. His national profile was growing. North Carolina comes open. Across the country, I'm sure a lot of people were stunned to find out it came down to Roy's top assistant, Hubert Davis, and this coach from UNCG who was under the age of 40. If that ESPN list and the wake job didn't put him on the map in coaching, that certainly did. So it wasn't realistic to expect he would stick around much longer. Cincinnati is a perfect place for West to go. I've said this with many of the openings we've had over the last three or four years. Often, when a coach is fired, whoever is tasked to hire the replacement is looking for the inverse of the predecessor. You're looking for the opposite of the person you just let go. Take North Carolina's search for Mac Brown. It was a short one, but North Carolina knew even if Scott Satterfield grew up not too far from Chapel Hill, you weren't going to hire another mid-major coach because that's exactly what Larry Fedora was. They wanted to hire a name. The inverse of what Fedora was, there's Mac Brown. Wake Forest just mentioned that job. Danny Manning, he was a name. It's Danny Manning. He's from the Triad. It's Danny and the Miracles. He coached at Kansas. That's a name. So who do you hire as an inverse to Danny? Well, you hire the coach from East Tennessee State, who's won over 70% of his games over five years. You know, if you're running a movie theater or running a restaurant and you're trying to replace somebody who can never show up on time, that's the reason why he was fired, he or she was fired, Odds are, one of the first questions you're going to ask to the replacement, how are you on time? Okay, I'm going to hire somebody who's more likely to show up five minutes early than five minutes late. Often, the replacement is an inverse to the predecessor. Cincinnati fired John Brandon last week. Why? Because he didn't do right by his players. At the end of March... Cincinnati opened up an investigation into the basketball program, and what they found, according to people that I know up there, was that the players couldn't stand the coach. That's why six of them entered the transfer portal. The coach was a hard ass that none of the players liked, nobody in the building liked, as Mick Cronin's successor. Wes Miller is the inverse of that. Here's a coach who's under the age of 40 that players love Great at relating the players. He's an ultimate players coach. If anybody's going to sell these players coming back out of the portal to play at Cincinnati, it's probably going to be Wes. Plus, it's not a rebuild. Look at it from Wes's perspective. Cincinnati has not had a losing season since the year after Wes graduated at North Carolina in 2007. It's been a while. Mick Cronin, Bob Huggins, if you want to go deep into the history, Oscar Robertson, it's an it's a basketball program with history. And it's a big time program that can pay a coach a lot more than UNCG's resources can. I think it was Matt Lorlander who reported what the contract details were. 
you're talking about six uh, six years, eight million dollars. That's roughly one point three three million dollars a year. That's more than four times his salary at UNCG. Is it the reason he took the job? No. Does it help? Is it a good incentive? Yeah, I buy that. If you're going to be a great coach, you're going to be an ambitious coach, you want to get paid like a great ambitious coach does. But more than anything, what I think made this job attractive to Wes, and it's something I want to talk with him about. We're supposed to catch up with him at some point tomorrow. It's a stylistic match between Wes and Cincinnati as a basketball program. I've been to Fifth Third Arena. That's been renovated the last few years. I've broadcasted games there. I've watched my fair share of Cincinnati basketball. Robert, have you seen what a Bearcat looks at looks like, by the way? Like a real Bearcat? Yeah, like a real Bearcat. Yeah. Most terrifying thing I've ever seen. It's a stylistic match when you consider Cincinnati has always played basketball with a chip on its shoulder. Like they don't get enough respect. It's a hard-nosed town, Cincinnati, Ohio. And it's a team that, when it's been at its best, has leaned on defense. That's what Wes Miller's all about. It's defense first. It's hard-nosed. We don't get enough respect. Chip on your shoulder. Cincinnati is a perfect place for Wes to go. It was time for Wes to go. I would have loved for him to stay, but it was time for him to move on. Let's talk assistant coaches. Hubert Davis officially named his coaching staff this morning, and at around the same time, we learned Coach K would be promoting Nolan Smith to an assistant coaching position at Duke. Starting with Nolan, this feels like the perfect guy to fill Nate James's place. James got the Austin P job. Hashtag let's go, let's go P. Nolan, I don't know if leadership is a trait that you're born with or something you learn, but I do know it's not for everybody. But Nolan Smith is a leader. Nolan Smith is one of the best leaders in that entire building that has one of the greatest leaders we've seen in college sports in Coach K. Last summer, when the George Floyd killing happened, we saw that leadership, which led to a video that Coach K put out. There are a ton of people of color in the Duke basketball program that make Duke what it is. Nolan Smith was one of the loudest voices in college basketball talking about social issues. Guys just follow that guy. Players swear by that guy, even though he wasn't an assistant coach. I think a lot of people just assumed he was an assistant coach, considering national media pointed to him being a future star in the coaching ranks. But it wasn't just off the floor. On the floor, I think he might have been the most underrated Duke Blue Devil in history. When you think about Duke greats, you think of Johnny Dawkins. He's the most important Blue Devil, and I agree with that. Shane Battier, Consensus All-American, Zion Williamson, a lot of that having to do with the pro careers they had after that, Shane ba- or, uh, Kristen Leitner, excuse me, his resume is unflappable, but I think he's proper, properly la- uh, rated here. Nolan Smith was a consensus All-American that led Duke to three straight ACC titles and won a national title in 2010. 
But I never hear anyone mention Nolan Smith when you talk about the greatest Blue Devils. But here's what I love about Nolan. He paid his dues at Duke. He did so for five years. The last three, he was a director of basketball operations. If you don't know what that job is, I remember Mike Schrage told us he was that guy for Duke, for Coach K, before he became an assistant. And his responsibilities, among other things, make sure J.J. Redick had pairs of shoes to wear. (laughs) Worrying about travel and all that. It's not a glamorous job, especially if you're one of the best players to ever wear the Blue Devil jersey. It probably humbled him. He is a very humble guy. I'm happy for him. This is a great opportunity for him. He seemed to be the only choice for Duke here. As for Carolina staff, it was announced today, here are the three assistant coaches for Hubert Davis. Brad Frederick, who's a returning coach, Jeff Lebo, and Sean May, who we knew was going to be promoted in the same way that Nolan Smith was promoted. Another guy who's paid his dues. Jeff Lebo out of the three is the most important assistant on this staff because he's the only one with D1 head coaching experience. I think he has more coaching experience than the entire staff combined. Coached at Auburn in the SEC as a head coach, in the American and Conference USA at ECU, mid-major level, Tennessee Tech, in the G League as an assistant for Coach Wolf, and then he also was a high school assistant coach. He's coached almost everywhere. He's a special player who had a special bond to Carolina in that he was coached by both Dean Smith and Roy Williams. He has a son that's currently there, Creighton Lebo, who was coached by Roy. Now he gets the chance to coach his son. So I think it's a really solid move, especially after King Rice decided he wasn't going to join Hubert's staff. You had to have some head coaching experience on it, and it seemed being part of the Carolina family was a prerequisite. It's a good staff. You would have wished King Rice joined it, but Jeff Lebo, that's a really good ad, and I think he's the most important appointment on that staff. Let's go, baby. What, kind of like this? Let's go. Back to The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. We're covering a lot of ground today. AG had NC State AD Boo Corrigan on his show earlier. You'll hear from the director of athletics at UNCG, Kim Record, in about 15 minutes after the news of Wes Miller leaving Greensboro for Cincinnati. And we're now being joined by North Carolina AD Bubba Cunningham, who just got finished with a basketball coaching search of his own. Bubba, before we get to the man you did hire in the spirit of the news of the day, Over the years, what's impressed you getting to know Wes, given his ties to Carolina, and when you interviewed him for the opening? Oh, I just have tremendous respect for Wes. He is um, the consummate professional. He was uh, obviously an incredibly gifted athlete and hard worker uh, from walk-on to starting. And uh, the 10 years he's had at UNC Greensboro has been phenomenal a couple of trips to the tournament. And, you know, he's figured out a way to attract students to uh, UNCG. He gets them to come back in the summertime. I mean, he, he's a gifted leader and a gifted coach. And, uh, 
his success uh, obviously speaks for itself, and I could not be more pleased and happy for him to have that opportunity at Cincinnati. And uh, I don't think Cincinnati knows how good a coach they're getting. And uh, I, I just couldn't be more pleased. When I saw that coming through yesterday, I was like, boy, that's fantastic. I'm really happy for him. When you hired Hubert Davis at the press conference, you said you learned a lot about the Carolina family during the coaching search that you didn't know, even though you'd been at the AD at North Carolina for nearly a decade now. I'm interested. What did you think uh, you learned? You know, that's a great question. And, 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 you know, probably what I learned is the strength and the passion that they all have for the place. You know, you hear about it. It's quite frankly, it's rhetoric and it's words until you experience it. And I guess that's probably the biggest difference. I heard about it, but I really experienced it. In talking to so many people, that the number one thing that they are concerned about is having a great basketball program that represents the university really well with students of integrity and character that really want to be students and play and play professionally. And so there were many of them that I talked to that left early, came back and finished some that played all four years. Um, and, and so it was rewarding for me to listen to them and talk about the importance of the things that are really hard to measure. And these folks are kind of living those same values 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, some 50, 60 years later. And it's the same lessons that they learned under Coach Smith or Coach Williams. Um, and they just continue to um, think about those values in every way that they live. So whether they're you know doctors, lawyers, uh, in the business world, family men, whatever it is, those values really, really resonate. And um, I guess I probably just undervalued uh, quite how deep those values ran with all of these guys that played. I'm right there with you. I grew up in the state of North Carolina, and I've gotten to know a number of former Carolina players. And I was just, during the search, texting as many of them as I knew, and only one came back to me saying that they would be okay if the hire was outside of the Carolina family. If I were to ask you, based on all the candidates that you've spoken with, based on all the coaches and former players you've spoken with, how many would have been all right hiring outside the Carolina family? Is it on one hand? Oh, no. No, no. They And, again, you're probably going to get a little different answer than I am. You know, I, I know that, you know, when you're the one making the decision and people are, at, you know, you're asking for their input, oftentimes they're going to be – I don't say politically correct, but they're going to be a little bit measured in their um, speaking with me. Um, and, and almost to a person, they said, we don't care if it's in the family or not. We just want to be competitive, have great kids. I don't know if they deep down really felt that way, but it sure made me feel good that they were, um, that said that, that said, look, we trust your judgment that you'll make a great hire for us and do, do what you can for our program. And so that's, again, I, I had a lot more people say it didn't matter to us. But, again, you, you may get a little bit different answer just because I was the one that had to make the decision. It's North Carolina AD Bubba Cunningham with us here on Sports Up Dryad. Watching Roy's reaction, it was almost like call and response during the press conference when Hubert would say something he liked. He'd be aggressively clapping and agreeing with it. We saw the video. It seemed pretty obvious to me how Roy wanted Hubert to be the guy. But you tell me, 
How clear did he make that to you? Roy wanted a great coach for our program. He did not put any restrictions or caveats or anything. And I talked to him many times throughout the process. And uh, as we were trying to narrow down what we wanted to do, he said to me, look, I, I appreciate the way you've gone about this. I am confident that um, you have really good candidates in the pool. and you're, I know you're down to a select few. I am very comfortable with whoever you hire, and I will support you. And I thought that was a really great uh, discussion that we had. And again, I, you know, gosh, I don't know how many calls we had from the time he said he was going to retire through the uh, end of the search, but could not be more supportive. And quite frankly, that's the kind of thing that you do learn, you know, when, when there's a big decision and a, a guy like Coach Williams, who's made a lot of decisions in his career, all of a sudden he's saying, you know, my job is over, the coach. It's now up to the AD to make the decision on what we do next. And um, he gave me great latitude to do that, and I have tremendous respect for him for, for being in that position. Now that the staff's been announced, were you surprised none of the candidates you considered for the head job stayed to be an assistant on Hubert's staff? You know, I, again, I, I don't normally get into any of the um, questions that we ask and, and how people respond. I'm really pleased with Hubert's staff. I think that uh, he has an outstanding staff. I think that um, he's going to continue to, to build his staff. Those people are going to grow professionally. And um, I, I'm really pleased with, with all of them. And as we all know, I mean, staffing is not easy, but it's the most important thing that we do. I mean, people are the most important part of any business. And, and so when you're looking to get your staff together, critical piece. When you're recruiting, a very important piece to what you do. And I, I really like the way Hubert goes about it. I think he's very thoughtful, he's deliberate, and he's decisive. And, um, and you have to do that, particularly in coaching, particularly now when you're trying to get a staff together. And when you have so many students in the portal, he's got to make some decisions about his roster. Right? You know, I never thought I'd talk about roster management in college basketball. You know, it was really about students coming to the university to get a degree. And, you know, times are changing. So we have we use different words now to talk about how we're going to build our team. What's your opinion on the one-time transfer, Bubba? You know, I, I completely understand the debate. Um, it seems as though coaches can move from one place to another very quickly. There's generally, you know, there's obviously a contract involved and usually a buyout or something. So there's a bit of a restriction. I don't really believe it when people say, hey, the coaches can go one place to another. They can, but there's, there's certainly a contract involved here. The freedom of movement is really what everyone's talking about, and, it, and it, logically it makes sense that you should be able to transfer. But, you know, when these rules got put in place 20, 25 years ago, the reason football and basketball, one of the reasons football and basketball wasn't given that same opportunity as the other sports was because of graduation rates. We know that if you stay at your first school for a longer period of time, you have a higher percentage of graduating. And so that was the reason that we had the rule that said, okay, you can't leave. Or, I mean, you, you, you can't play right away. You can leave, but you can't play right away. Because we were trying to encourage kids to stay, tough it out, get the grades you need, and, and get the playing time, and then graduate. And so, unfortunately, the graduation rates aren't something that is top of mind for people right now. You know, so we, we do have a credibility issue of, you know, why do kids come? They come to play and they want to go to the NBA, but 
boy, that's such a small number. The more we can continue to talk about students and education and graduation, that's what I really want to focus on. So that's a long-winded way of saying I get today's reality. I'm disappointed that the educational experience isn't top of mind for more people, and so that's a bit disappointing. Are there modifications that you've seen you'd be in favor of? I see Matt Painter mentioning, hey, how about uh, we cap it at, you can have a one-time transfer after two years at school. Or Dick Vitale, I think he's even said on our show, he'd be in favor of if a coach leaves for another job, then you can leave where you want. If that's the argument people are using against or for in favor of uh, players being able to have a one-time transfer. What do you think? Yeah, I think either one of those would be a positive step. I do think two years, I mean, really give yourself a chance to see whether or not it makes sense for you. I do think a coach leaving has a significant impact on your experience, your playing time. I prefer that everybody pick their school based on their school, but that's not reality. I get that. And so giving them a, a, a chance with um, a new coach, I think, makes sense. The downside of that, of course, is you get a new coach and all your team is gone. So then that coach is starting with no players. So that's a difficult thing as well. Um, but again, I think that the, I certainly think you should only be able to transfer once and be immediately eligible. I don't think you should be able to do it twice. And I think that what's going to happen today um, is they'll put some uh, dates by which you have to declare that you're going to transfer so at least you can have a little better chance to know who's on your team. So, you know, the, the fall sports would have to declare sometime in, in late spring. The uh, spring sports would have to declare sometime, you know, midsummer. And I think that will give a little bit more clarity to the coaches and actually who's on your team going into the next academic year. Bubba, let's catch up again over the summer and talk about what you're doing with group licensing, and hopefully we have more information on what's happening with the NCAA and some of these state laws going into effect in regards to name, image, and likeness. You deserve a beer, some rest, whatever, (laughs) after uh, the, the search that you just went through. Congratulations on getting that done. And I hope we can catch up somewhere down the line. Thanks for the visit in the triad today. Oh, thank you. Sincerely appreciate the support of this state for uh, for the Tar Heels. And uh, love getting over your way. And appreciate what you do to support college athletics. Appreciate that. So that's North Carolina AD Bubba Cunningham. You'll hear from UNCG AD Kim Record in just a bit to talk about Wes Miller and their coaching search that is now Begum. We'll get some details on that. Sawyer Dillon will be on studio with us as well, and it's all next on The Drive. What the hell is this? The Drive. This is kind of a great thing, and I'll tell you what. Get caught up with all things sports. That's awesome. Well, that's not totally true. He talks about The Bachelorette, too. Yes! The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. You'd think this would be a great week for Alex Rodriguez. On Saturday, you're a part of a group that owns an NBA team in the Minnesota Timberwolves. But then a couple days ago, Anthony Edwards, the first overall pick for the T-Wolves last year, said he did not know who A-Rod was, which has to be a massive blow to your ego. Then earlier today... Darren Vaught sent this to me on social media. 
A-Rod's really sad looking at a bunch of pictures him and J-Lo have together. Coldplay's Fix You is playing in the background. I know the vibes, man. I've been there. High school me listening to Fix You after my sophomore year girl broke my heart. Yeah, I know the feeling. What's she doing now? What's her name? What's crazy about that? I'm not going to use real names here. But uh, I remember it was my best buddy, one of my best buddies in high school who dated her knowing I had a crush on her. What's his name? Which is messed up. And I I knew I was on to them because we were supposed to hang out the weekend that everything happened with them. We were going to go to the movie. He lied to me saying he was busy. And then a few days later, he said, you know, when I told you I went to the movies, I actually hung out with her. The next day they started dating. I was devastated. My actual best friend went up to me and said, Josh, don't worry about it. They're going to be broken up just in a few weeks, and then you'll be in there. And then he started dating her. Those two are still together today. Good for them. Is this traumatic for you to relive that? A little bit. A little bit traumatic. little dramatic. As I bet today is for A-Rod. J-Lo and A-Rod say they are better off as friends. Here's the statement they put out to NBC today. Quote, we have realized we are better off as friends and look forward to remaining so. We will continue to work together and support each other on our shared businesses and projects. We wish the best for each other and one another's children. Out of respect for them, the only other comment we have is to say thank you to everyone who has sent kind words and support. Yeesh. Damn, A-Rod got dumped. Oy vey. Definitely A-Rod's the one getting dumped here, right? You've seen the videos, whether it be New Year's Eve or J-Lo's performing at the Super Bowl. A-Rod's always the fanboy holding the phone. Hold my purse, A-Rod. That's the deal here. There's what percentage chance would you give it? It was A Rod arriving Zero. at this conclusion. Zero. A <laughs> Rod ain't got no friends. He don't want no friends. He's a billionaire. Oh, he owns sports teams. What does he need friends this for? This is tough. We're better off as friends. AKA she don't. Oh dumped me. no. The next phase is gonna be a bummer. Like when a like when OJ got out of prison, and OJ just started dating. A bunch of women, a bunch of younger women. I think that's what's next for A-Rod. We're going to see a bunch of IG posts or uh, you got paparazzi. I still think they're around post-COVID taking pictures of A-Rod with 21-year-old women. A-Rod I think that's what's next. Billy Eilish on a yacht. Woof. That's what's next here. Sawyer, your thoughts on the matter. I always kind of liked their relationship because of A-Rod was the fanboy. I just remember the Super Bowl, you saw A-Rod jamming out. And I was like, that's so wholesome to me. Now it's like, you can't ever look at that moment the same. I agree with that. Good for J-Lo, though. Let's go into Nerd Corner. I'm interested in upgrading my 28.8 kilobaud internet connection to a 1.5 megabit fiber optic T1 line. If eSports is the future, will you be able to provide an IP router that's compatible with my token ring Ethernet LAN configuration? We're getting in early. I'm here to earn, everybody, not to make out with you. This is Nerd Corner with Sawyer Dillon. Sawyer Dillon. 
Learn me something today. Well, as we know, video games sometimes transform into video game movies. Well, Mortal Kombat has a movie coming out mm. soon, and Mortal Kombat has had... I don't know if someone can back me up. Robert might know, but at least one or two other movies. I think two. Yeah, so Mortal Kombat has had two other movies. There's going to be a third. In my opinion, video game movies never translate to an actual good movie. It's a question I was going to ask. Give me some other examples of video games translating to movies. You have Assassin's Creed, I know. is a recent one that was... Uh, yeah, Resident Jake Evil, Hall. Detective Evil. Pikachu. Resident Evil. There was one. There were one or two of those actually pretty decent. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't bad. But generally, I mean, if, if I look up worst video game movies, there, there's going to be a bunch of them. Like the uh, Hitman series. The hey, Hitman movies the were Hitman terrible. Were pretty good. Was that Statham? They were not good. They were kind of good. Was that Statham who played Hitman? Uh, uh, no, it's the. Yeah, I know. yeah. We know his name, but we can't think of it. Yeah, yeah. He's one of those guys. Big bald buff, something like that. Yeah. He's a that guy. This, I think this Mortal Kombat could be good because if you look at the other ones, it the movie industry just wasn't there. With effects, with production, they weren't there. And I think they are now. As long as we don't get... Uh, do you remember Dragon Ball Z put out a, a live-action movie? And it was so bad. I don't remember that. No. It was, it, that's why you don't remember it. Because it was so bad. Because they couldn't do it justice that the anime did. And I feel like Mortal Kombat now has production and the time behind it where this can actually be a good movie. Pokemon never made a good movie? I mean, not a live action. Detective Pikachu wasn't bad, but I was just bringing it up as video game movies that have come about. Oh, I got one. How about Tomb Raider? Nah. Did anybody see that? Uh, Yeah. That Tomb Raider was seen by a lot of people. That's a very formative movie for a lot of people. You didn't just it might even be Mr. me here. Mrs. Smith or something that you had to be Tomb Raider. You're yeah. with Angelina Jolie. Oh, I, that. Moving on, Sawyer. Uh, when's this movie set to come out? Oh gosh, I have End no idea. Month. Yeah, it's soon. It's soon. We're going into a lot of my adolescent years uh, during this uh, edition of uh, Nerd Corner. What's the next thing you got for me? Twitch streamer Ludwig, uh, two nights ago, ended his 31-day-long live stream. Um, He had a -a subathon, which basically meant for every sub that he got, 10 seconds would be added to this timer. And the timer started at like one hour, um, 31 or 33 days ago. Uh, So he kept getting subs, which kept adding money or time onto the timer. He ended up with 290,000 subs and streamed live for 31 days. So is that a sub a dollar or is that $5? $5 for 10 seconds of his stream. And this went for 31 days. Goodness. So he slept on stream. The only thing he didn't do was basically go to the shower on stream. He would sleep on stream, talk on stream, cook on stream. Everything was on stream for 31 days. Earlier this week, we talked about a guy who apparently was looking to trade... 10 years for $10 million worth of sponsorship. And also, he does art, apparently, too. And part of that art 
is something that you get in exchange for the sponsorship as well, right, Robert? Yeah, he uh, locked himself in a shed and has been streaming for about 30 days, but it wasn't for a subathon or anything. But basically, he's just been using this as an advertisement for, hey, you can give me $10 million and I will stay in the shed, be on a live stream 24-7 as your own personal art, and then I will make you art that you can sell and make more money. Career goals, Sawyer. You can that, find him on yeah. Twitch at SaulJTV. I know some of you in the audience already have checked in on Sawyer. When's the next time you're going to be streaming? More than likely we'll be streaming tonight. Uh, if not tonight, tomorrow after our high school football game of the week, I'll be live. Give me a time later tonight we could send people. You know what? Let's say 10-15. Yeah. Watch Sawyer on Twitch. I'll put, you, I'll report, put you to sleep. Report back to me something that uh, we can use for content in the oh, way no. of There's Sawyer's stream there. Uh, one more thing, Sawyer. Throw it my way. This is for Robert. I know Pokemon Snap comes out at the uh, end of the month, and he loves Pokemon. And I just Pokemon Snap. It's just a new Pokemon game. Right? They they're is all the same Snapchat? to me. They all are the nah, exact same. So on this one, the original came out for Nintendo sixty four, and you're basically oh po- I the game Pokemon Snap. I got you. Oh, what were you talking about? What'd I you thought th- I thought it might be like for Snapchat or something. <laughs> so. Uh, the Pokemon Snap, you're basically a photographer, and your job is to take pictures of Pokemon. The better the picture, you can get them to do certain acts, like have Pikachu ride a surfboard. But the new one is coming out at the end of this month, and I am so pumped. It looks great. There's all kind of Pokemon flying around. They got all new levels. I used to... You want to talk about speed running? I can speed run the original Pokemon Snap better than you can, Sawyer. You never played it, and that's okay. I know you're not used to clicking around on that keyboard, but I'm holding that Nintendo 64... That Triton-looking thing, and I could speed run and get beat and complete mm. Pokemon Snap faster than you. Do you, you think can. it would be difficult to buy an N64 today and get some of those games? Uh, I don't think it would be difficult. I think it would be expensive. Uh, maybe a hundred bucks, hundred and fifty bucks for a working Nintendo 64 online. That's not bad. And. I mean, considering it came out a long time ago, yeah, you're right. It's not that bad. But I think the games are what really is more expensive now. Like, if you wanted an original cart or an original Smash Brothers, easily 50 bucks, 60 bucks. What's your favorite Pokemon? Oh, from the original 151, I have a painting of this Pokemon. It's probably Kingler. Just because I always liked crabs. I had a pet crab in college, and he's just... He's number 101. That's who he is. What's the name of your pet crab from from college? Itchy. There you go. Hearing Robert, Robert talk about Pokemon is like Josh hearing me talk about other video games. <laughs> I just have no idea what's going on. <laughs> yep. Robert loves Pokemon. He wears shirts almost every day. No, I have one shirt. It's like the <laughs> Squirtle Squad shirt. It's not like I'm walking in here every day with like Pikachu on my shirt. You mean your yellow hat right now is that <laughs> Pikachu hat? Shut yeah. up. I, I don't I'd never wear hats, but Thank you for being here, Sawyer. We'll see you tomorrow. And that's been Nerd Corner with our guy Sawyer Dillon. Ten fifteen. Watch his stream. At Saul J T V. You're not the only one doing streams tonight. I'm gonna be on IG live with my guy B dot at 8 o'clock tonight. Make sure you check that out. As much as I would have loved to see Wes stay in Greensboro, I'll tell you why. It was just time for him to go next.